We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the True Faith Radio Show, live on Radio Northumberland. I'm Alex Hurst, joined tonight by Ben Wade. Good evening, Ben. Good evening, Dugger. Uh, this is the preview show for Watford away tomorrow, 3 o'clock kickoff. So we're very fortunate to be joined by a uh, Watford fan who is going to talk us through various things about Watford as a club, their season so far. By Mike, uh, Mike Rick will be joining us and we'll also ask him about the game tomorrow, obviously. So... We're going to start by having a bit of chat about West Ham, the victory, what it means for our season. We will talk about the Watford game and we'll also have some crack about transfers or the lack of them, which seems to be the part that coming from the club's trusted media partners, uh, whoever they are, depending on your outlook. So Ben, first of all, uh, West Ham, I was going to say Watford, West Ham there. We were both there in our season ticket seats. It was a cracking day. Why was it good for you, apart from the obvious the fact that we won? I just the the way we played, I think, was light years apart from some of the performances we've seen this season. Funnily enough, the types of performances like the Watford, obviously we've got them coming up this weekend. Watford at home uh, was a really disappointing game. Just the way we approached it. Would, I mean, obviously, they're, they're a side that's coming from the Championship. I suppose they've got no fear, really. They, they came into that game, played two up front, and absolutely tore a new one at our place and it was just first half anyway yeah, yeah and we we just looked like we didn't have a clue um, and it was a, a really worrying game for McLaren because obviously he'd been sort of talking all about this um, sort of judges after 10 games I've had a really tough start now I'll, I'll start to pick up points and obviously that was one of the early games in that sort of easier run um, where we just got played off the pitch for for at least 40, 45 minutes anyway so it was a, a welcome sight to see us actually dominate a team Um like that, and obviously a very good team in West Ham who've been flying high, uh, sort of the first part of the season anyway. Especially away from home, they've had a really good record. Uh, they had the best player in Payet, who everyone's been waxing lyrical about, saying how oh, he's the best player 
this season in the league. And he hadn't counted uh, Cross coming across Super Bowl, had he? He, he certainly hadn't for, um, for sixty minutes or so, anyway. <laughs> and uh, I just thought we handled him really well. There was a, a game plan there where um, we, I think, we did look to sort of take the game to them and and sort of for, force ourselves on them in terms of. Um, not let them sort of settle and get on the ball. It, it didn't really, it, it, that didn't really materialise for them until sort of way into the second half, maybe after an hour or so. They, they just went in the game, um, and that was really encouraging. It's, it's sort of good signs for going forward. I think obviously a lot's been made of the John Joe Shelby signing um, and the impact he had on that team, uh, and it completely changed the, the outlook of the team. I think he brought another level or two out of some of the players around him. Um, Callback was <laughs> looks like a really good player. Uh, next to him, just because he's he's comfortable on the ball, he's he's happy to come on the ball. But what he's been lacking is someone to to sort of help him um, sort of penetrate teams and, and get up the pitch. I think he's very good going side to side when uh, and he's on the ball and just sort of taking the ball and going back to the defence and things and just retaining the ball. But you you don't go anywhere with that type of play. Shelby's come in and straight away he's given him an option ahead of him, so he's got he's got options either side ahead of him and behind him. And and I just think Shelby was looking to link. Link the the four players. Obviously, we play Wijnaldum behind the striker um, in the first half, and, the, and you could see that link starting to work really well. Whereas in games before the two, when it was Anita and Colback, they were just too far deep that they were having to play wonder passes into Wijnaldum, and then he was basically isolated on on his own. So just that that link between the whole team worked really well. The midfield, I think, it was the right shape to play with a player like Shelby in there. And I think that's going to work really well for the rest of the season. Just the way, obviously, the possession um, sort of football that McLaren likes to play, it's it's going to come in handy, sort of wearing teams out. And I think had we've had a better finish on the pitch, that that could have been six or seven. Yeah, very detailed uh, four-minute answer <laughs> <laughs> to the question there. Cheers. Um, yeah, an aside before I come back to you on that. Uh, followers at TF Weekly Pod. If you want us to talk about anything on the show, we will. Uh, Cheers to uh, Lord Spiceman at Tune Quadruple Seven and Davy, as he's now Chris and Stratton for getting in touch. <laughs> we'll we'll have patter about what you're saying in a bit. Um, yeah, I for the True Faith preview this week, which I, I do the match previews every week for True Faith. Uh, normally, I, I'm a, I can like ramble on about stuff for about 500 words, <laughs> but because I did a Watford preview like <laughs> two weeks ago. Um, I decided to examine the context of Newcastle's win against West Ham and I agree with everything that you say, Ben. The the most amazing thing was the fact that we just started like a house on fire. It's like you're supposed to win the Premier League at home. That's how it's supposed to work in the uh, the away team. are supposed to weather the storm and come out about 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, West Ham failed to do that with 2-0 down, should have been more behind. Uh, so I went back and had a look at our league home wins and obviously the the barometer for when things went belly up at Newcastle. You had the twelve thirteen season, but uh, I was willing to forgive and forget because we had the Europa League run, so, you know, draw a line of that. It was 13-14, fourth at Christmas, beat Stoke 5-1 at home, albeit against nine men on Boxing Day. Mark Hughes sent off as well. That was funny, throwing his coat in the air. <laughs> but um, since then, notable results at home. We beat Chelsea twice, once, twice. Twice. Might oh, have beat them earlier that season, I think. Yeah, so we beat Chelsea, and that was class last season, but it, we didn't have a shot in the first half, and it was a complete get men behind the ball, counter attack performance, and that's good, and you've got to do that against the better teams. As Chelsea were league champions last season, it was their first defeat. But you, you didn't come out of that game thinking, 
you know, Newcastle were mint there. Well played, Newcastle. Good football played. So that was that's kind of an anomaly. Uh, then I think about well, who have we beaten since then? I had a look. We've beaten Violet home twice, one nil. Very very enjoyable. But again, should have won both games by more. But again, very tepid, poor games. You never you never walk. One of them in is a CSA like ninety fourth minute winner um, in thirteen fourteen. Uh, we'll be Cardiff three uh, nil on the last day of the thirteen fourteen season. That was good. Cardiff. I don't know how they didn't score. Cardiff got relegated. That was the game. Pardew couldn't come out the technical seen? area because he, he and he didn't coward. Um, so that was hard. You, you needn't walk away from that game thinking get in. That was absolutely class. So again, nothing to shout about. We then had to wait until Leicester um, last season when Leicester were bottom. We beat them 1-0 for a first one in like eight games. Again, men behind the ball over town from a Leicester corner counter-attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very few opportunities. Uh, we beat Liverpool, who were rubbish, but again, we had two shots. A very awful game. We beat QPR on an even worse game. <laughs> 1-0 Sissoko. Uh, the Everton game was game. decent, but again, it, it was it was a good game. But it was it, I don't think Newcastle played well. I think Everton was so poor that you know you couldn't not win that game. We then beat Villa again. Sherwood's first game. Terrible, terrible game. And then obviously we beat West Ham uh, on the last day of the season, which was a much needed and loved victory. But again, West Ham was so poor, Newcastle didn't do anything after win that game. They didn't play well. And then we beat this season before Saturday. We beat Norwich 6-2. Cracking game. You did walk away from that one thing and get in. But again, it was a counter-attacking performance. It wasn't like Newcastle front foot pushed the other team back. It was basically Norwich's mental, tactical approach to that game. And we'll put them away, like you have to. Um, and then, obviously, you have Liverpool again in the season where we didn't have a shot for the first 70 minutes. Uh, great win, felt fantastic, but you didn't come out of thinking that was a really good football game. So I've just been through every single Newcastle home win there since December 26th, 2013. Not many of them. It's, I was going to say, it's worrying you can do it in the space <laughs> of four or five minutes. I know, exactly. Uh, and, and give it each each its own yeah, little, its own little, little appraisal. Yeah. So West Ham is the first game since then where we've battered a team, and not just any team. It has actually been any team. We've, we've like we've played Vial, we've played QPR, and we still couldn't batter them. We're still scrape one nil wins to batter West Ham like we did. Um, first forty five especially, but even second half it was very comfortable. Rob Elliott's made one save, and we we again in the second we half had three or four. Brilliant chances. We could have won that game five six one, and, and West Ham couldn't have complained. So it was just fantastic, and a lot of credit to McLaren. We are, we are, and have been his biggest critics for most of the season. He seems to be listening to us, sensible man. Not obviously, if, he, if he'd have brought in Shelby and said, "Right, Shelby, I want you to do the Vernonita," and if you just kind of get in the way of the centre backs <laughs> a bit, like don't close anyone down, don't really do anything. Obviously, I would Whatever be unhappy. You do, do not try and get forward. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it, you know, so if he'd have played callback and Anita like that, then we'd be in trouble. But he not callback, Anita callback and Shelby, but he didn't. It was a positive front foot approach, and it almost it almost reminds me of what being a Newcastle fan used to be like. Even when we were rubbish under Rhoda and Sunes, the backbone of that team and the fact whenever any really in any relegation trouble under those two managers was because our home form was good. Mm-hmm. The away form was pathetic. <laughs> and we were still a very poor side, mid-table Premier League side. But, we, we, you know, like Spurs and Bolton and teams like that who were solid teams would turn up and just get beat. Mm-hmm. It was it was comfortable. We beat them 2-3-0 because the home form was that good. And it was that, that solid approach. And I remember playing teams like West Brom and Bolton and Spurs, like I said, and would score in the first 10 minutes. 
mm-hmm. and, and the rest of the afternoon will just be a good afternoon because you're not worrying. I was going to say, I was just, it, just that point you made in there, it's quite funny. We just don't start games very well at all, do we? <laughs> we don't I, finish them well either. Yeah. <laughs> the middle bit's not great. <laughs> but it's just, it's just, I was thinking, obviously, the, the whole 17-minute thing, I, I was thinking about that, and I don't really remember we're having anything sort of... It, we've never had an atmosphere where it's absolutely rocking up to that point in sort of that like lift where the crowd sort of all cheer at, at the end of the minute applause or whatever and it does it's just it's just sort of meandered into nothing and we've, we've struggled through games it's just it's it's quite funny obviously the week we've we met Rob Lee name dropping <laughs> um, just going back I think you said a few times on the podcast and uh, it was something that was a theme in the um, podcast with Martin Hardy that sort of game plan of giving everything you've got for the first 20 minutes just run riot with teams put everything in get them running get them knackered basically um and just just throw the kitchen sink at them and try and and, and get them behind early on and then sort of allow yourself to re- recover and and go again sort of after a, a, a sort of period of sort of break the game up in periods and have sort of periods of rest as well um we just went at them for 45 minutes on on saturday and you could tell in the second half i think there were a few tired legs obviously Shelby had come off he hadn't been playing much and it, but it was just it was refreshing to see everyone giving a hundred percent, everyone getting stuck in. The the crowd were obviously up that you could see the the lift that was given the players and it was that's the way we want to see football played. Obviously, you're not necessarily going to get that intensity for forty five minutes, definitely not for ninety minutes. But it's it's just sort of getting the the team sort of starting games like that. You, you're going to put teams under pressure and and create goals through that um, by playing that up tempo game. And I think if they that they could have just sort of kept that going a bit longer with, as I say, we would have won that game a lot more comfortably than it, it turned out to be. Um, but I think the, the, it just shows the players players were brought in. I mean, obviously, Saive, you could, I don't think he did anything wrong. Obviously, he's, he's going to have a part to play in the rest of the season. But Shelby was just brilliant, as I say. It, it's hard to sort of avoid coming back to him just because he was such a pivotal player in that team. And, and he bought the brought the best out of uh, Wijnaldum as well, who was just sensational. So, it's it's encouraging that we've got that in with for the rest of the season. You just hope that we'll, we'll put it together a few more times. Yep, I'm going to go and get uh, Mike on the phone uh, to have a chat with us, Watford fan. How do you feel that the, the how, how do you feel that the the likes of the players you've talked about there, Savé, Savé, Shelby, and Colback, although he's injured tomorrow, how do you feel those players um, have reacted to? McLaren's tactics from Saturday. So, do you think that it was? Sorry, that's a, that's a bad question. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think basically? Do you think John Joe Shelby and Jack Colbert were like, right, sod this, we're going to have a go, or do you think it was the McLaren, McLaren saying, no, used to, I want you to press, I want you to get forward, I want you to play football in the opposition half, which is something Newcastle rarely do, because it was such a removal. Even like I said, from the Norwich game, uh, from other wins. We didn't play any football in those games mm-hmm. whatsoever. We didn't attack the opposition from the outset. Do you think it was a McLaren change of tact? And if so, why? Or do you think it was the lads? I don't know if it was a change of tact. I mean, I think he's he's come in at the start of the season, said he wants to play a sort of possession-type game. Um, obviously, he's trying to get the wing-backs involved in the game as well. Um, so that the ball being played out, um, sort of the wing-backs pushing on, the centre-backs getting the ball from the keeper. Um and it was just a. It, it, it's he's been trying to get that possession type game where you're going to wear teams down. Um, sort of just, and it, it requires a lot of confidence. I think as well. Obviously, he's been trying to get Callback and Anita to play that. They're, they're not really the types of players that can do that. I mean, Anita especially. 
uh, given time and space on the ball, we've, we've said before, he's not at his, it's not his forte, it's not his best role. Callback, I think, is a lot more comfortable sort of in that possession type game where he, he can move the ball about and he's, he's going to just keep possession, sort of keep the ball ticking over, keep players running, chasing after him, and it, it's going to wear players down. Um, but you, you just look at Shelby coming in, he's in, like, like um, Callback, he's a lot more comfortable on the ball, receiving the ball in tight spaces. He's, he's willing to to sort of get forward and, and make players sort of track him and things like that. And it's, it, I think that's what the, the dream for McLaren all season has been to try and get that type of performance out of the players. But it's just the lack of um, the, the players that, that he had at the start of the season. They, they just weren't comfortable in that type of game. So I think you've got to give him credit. I think that's what he's been going for for the whole game. Um, for the whole season, sorry. But it, it's just he hasn't had the players at his disposal to, to pull it out. Brilliant, cheers, Ben. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that you said there. Uh, like I said, we've been his biggest critics for much of the season, and, and not unjustly so, and we're not the only ones either. Um, but yeah, credit to him for, for Saturday, and long may it continue. And we actually might start seeing a few goals, because Newcastle have actually scored five. That's five away goals all season, <laughs> which is the lowest in the top seven leagues of English football. So, cheers, Steve. Thrilling watch away, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um Right, uh, delighted to be joined now by uh, Mike Rookery, who is a Watford fan and is the co-presenter of the Watford FC podcast from the Rookery End. Hello, Mike. Evening, chaps. How are you? We're very, very good. Well, yeah. Champion. Is, is much good. better than a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, much better than if you'd spoke to us last Friday. Um, <laughs> right, so we're going to talk to you a bit about Watford and their season and then we'll have a little bit of chat about the game tomorrow. So my first question to you would be... Um, did you see this coming from Watford FC? Did you see the the kind of fantastic form you've displayed? Or did you think you'd be deep in a relegation battle by late January? I think we hoped we'd put up a decent performance. That much is for certain. We'd seen enough um, from the players and also the the owners to know that they'd probably put put the players and squad in place to certainly give uh, give it a good go. So we were we were hopeful that we weren't going to be stuck in a, in, a, in a hopeless relegation battle. We did expect to be in one. Um, I think most people would have accepted, you know, I think people were talking 15th, 16th as, as their dream scenario for, for where they'd finish. Um, so we hoped we'd, we'd do well. I don't think anyone expected us to, to have quite the, the start we did because we've ended up uh, motoring towards 40 points slightly quicker than, than we probably anticipated. So... But things have obviously evened out a little bit over the, over the last couple of weeks. So I wouldn't say people are overly surprised, but it's probably at the top end of our expectations, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just obviously the, the recruitment that they've, they've brought in, um, a lot of new players, how, how did you feel that was going to go? Did you think that would have been a detriment of the club or did you think the, the, the team oh, that came up so. with sort of deserved a shot? Do you know? And the manager. <laughs> The, the first season the, the owners took over, they they brought a lot of new players to the club. And I mean a lot. You're talking like 15, 16. Um, I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was the, the year when Watford ended up in the playoff final after that incredible um, playoff semi with Leicester. And, yeah. and Zola somehow knitted, knitted a squad together out of you know a disparate bunch of guys that no one had ever heard of. So we're kind of used to, used to, to, to players coming in en masse. But we're also grown to sort of accept that the the Pozzo family who who are Watford's owners, they know what they're doing and they're very savvy with um with the players they bring in. Um so we we're 
obviously they've had a couple of tough ones that, that have arrived and haven't really worked out. But but you show me a club who's signed a player. You know, every player has been 100 percent a success, and um, yeah, well, you can't, can you? So mm. I think we, we were we we've got faith basically in, in the ownership. Um, we rapidly got faith in the manager. So. We're of the opinion that sort of probably 80% of players that come in we're, we're probably going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer the question with loads coming in, I think we felt last year that, that being a championship side, OK, we ended up finished second, we almost we almost won the title, but what, we conceded a lot of goals last year, so we knew that the team needed an overhaul. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we wanted players to come in, um, and I wouldn't say we were worried, um, but actually, there's a bit of a misnomer, there's a lot of stuff in the press about how Watford have got all this sort of multitude of, uh, uh, of of various nationalities playing playing football for them and that, that have come in over the over the summer but six or seven of them were the, were the spine of, of last year's team as well and of mm-hmm. course Troy Deeney and um, Igala have picked up where they left off in, in the championship so yeah it's been, it's been yeah good. they've been brilliant they? yeah so that brings us on to the manager the man who's had to blend together like you say a, a team that he didn't bring up last season um, as well as as well as new signings and from the outside looking in, he seems to have done quite some job doing it. Do you put down a lot of the success that you've had this season to him, or do you think Watford, like you say, having such a sustainable and consistent model of, of the way things are done, do you think that most coaches, most decent coaches, would thrive in that environment? Yeah, I think it's a happy happy marriage of the two. I mean, like I said, you can probably tell by what, what I've talked about the, the owners, we're happy with what they do in there, and you mentioned sustainable, and that's exactly what the model is, so a manager with, with with half a half a you know worth his salt is, is going to make a decent fist of it at Watford, but we know that isn't we know that is, doesn't make it necessarily easy. You know you, you, yourselves, you've had, you've had decent players come in and, and found it difficult over the over the, the, the start of the season. And you know Chelsea, Man City should buy rights win the Champions League. The amounts of, of money they've got at their disposal and players coming in, so it's not always that easy. So I think yeah, we have to give credit to to Kike Sanchez-Flores because, yeah, he, he, he joined the club in the summer. Um, he had a very clear remit, keep this, what was effectively a championship club in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, he came in cold. But what, what he did very, very early uh, was to make Watford difficult to beat. Um, and I alluded to it earlier, we conceded a lot of goals last year. So that was the, that was the main concern for, for most Watford supporters, was making this sort of bit more watertight at the back. Uh, and the first... Uh, the Everton game aside, which we sort of exploded on the scene with a two-all draw, but, but apart from that, the first couple of games were very, very attritional. Watford didn't score many, but we didn't concede any either. And uh, there were a few moans and groans because we sort of roared our way up the championship and then we're, we're sort of sitting down watching this sort of slightly turgid stuff. But <laughs> it was all part of the grand plan because he made Watford... He started from the back. You know, he made mm-hmm. us very difficult to, very difficult to beat, very solid defensively. And incrementally, things things got better from there, and we we, we found our feet and started scoring, and um, ended up sort of we've been in and around halfway up the table for for the majority of the season, which has been yeah magnificent. But 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 Flores has been um, he's been brilliant. I think mean, my Watford fans are absolutely over the moon. He's, he's superb. And now I think I mean you you go back to that. That's the, the recipe for success. I think isn't it? I mean it's quite funny. We've we've sort of been growing in all season. That we're one of the easiest teams to play in the league. Yeah. Um. Just ship goals. We are. We're not one yeah. of the yeah, easiest yeah. teams to play against. Just, just ship goals really easy. Teams don't have to work hard for goals, and 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 basically we, we gift them a few now and again. Um. So I think as, as you say there, the, the real key is is being difficult to beat because you more, more often than not you're gonna pick up points. Um, when when you perhaps not playing so well and firing a print, you you still if you're keeping the tight at the back, you're gonna 
going to keep it uh, sort of well, that's a, getting points. That's you? a good comparison between the new the two managers there because we've said before this season that McLaren started off. I don't know what you, if there's even a word, but deluded about how poor a team he was taken over from last season. Obviously, what eleven straight games, whatever, were lost under Carver last season. Stayed up on the final day thanks to Allardyce's West Ham being a disgrace. Any any reasonable team would have beaten Newcastle that day. And McLaren turns up with um, visions of possession football and <laughs> playing it out from the back, and he didn't treat us like a team whose whose goal, like fifteenth or fourteenth, would have been an improvement. On last season, and and it's good. It's it's a it's a nice contrast to Flores, who just got it. He, he understood. He understood, even though he wasn't around last season. Like you say, you conceded a lot of goals. You realised that new team, Premier League, league defence. First things first. Let's make us hard hard to beat. And that kind of brings me on to the next question about what has gone wrong because you're not conceding. As if memory serves, I know Southampton wasn't great, but you're not conceding loads of goals. You're not scoring many either. I mean, what is it? Is it five games without a win now? Do you think the bubbles burst? As some are trying to suggest in the media that you're going to be this season's Newcastle or the season before it was Norwich, who were on the same points as you now, and then after the equivalent games, and end up going down. Or do you think this is too good a team to to go on losing games? Well, I think it's, it's important to quantify the the run we've been on a little bit. I mean, we've lost we've lost our last four in the in the Premier League, but. Two of those were were against Man City and Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Tottenham scored in the in the last minute, <laughs> um, and we and we had ten men for, for half an hour of, the, of that game. And and Man City, you could argue, we probably deserved to win the game. Yeah, um, definitely. Now that in itself a, a worrying trade to you guys. You've probably seen it enough where you've you've played well enough to get a result and, yeah. and not got one. And, and sometimes that can be more worrying. But so you know, you take before the start of the season, you look at the fixture list. I don't think you find any sane Watford fan predicting they're going to get much out of Tottenham and, and, and Man City. So mm. they're almost write-offs. So, but the problem is they do, you know, they, you get momentum, bad momentum, which, which we have got, quite frankly. The Southampton game was very poor. Um, Watford just didn't show up. For, for the first time, I think, this season, we, we, it, was a, it was a real lacklustre display and we, didn't, we never looked like getting anything out of the game. And then the first half against Swansea was was insipid as well, was was very poor, and we, we looked short of ideas, we looked short of energy, um, and luckily that was rectified in the in the second half, and I think we might be pushing it to say we were unlucky not to come away with a point, because we didn't really create much, but in terms of the, the second half performance, there was a lot more energy and, and vim and vigour, so in the grand scheme of things, I think you're looking at a game and a half where we haven't really performed, um, but... It, on paper, that's four four defeats in a row, which is, which is obviously quite alarming. Um, and we need to arrest that. We've got a great chance to do that tomorrow against, against your guys. Um, the other side of the coin, of course, is we. I think basically we need four four wins to stay up. We're on we're on twenty nine points, so we're not far off forty. So if we can win, you know, four games, four games and a draw should see us safe. Um, which you'd like to think is, is, is within our ability. We've shown that we can perform well, that these players don't turn into bad players overnight. Some of them might be tired, some of them might be a bit lacking in confidence, but this is a decent unit. And Watford fans are a little bit jittery because you know, we've had it so good for most of the season. We haven't had to look over our shoulders. Now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, there's a bit of buzz about Newcastle. <laughs> you guys might not, not, not agree because I know football fans are, are pessimists by, by, by nature, but... What, I think Watford fans have got are a little bit more fearful of Newcastle now um, than than we perhaps would have been two weeks ago. Um, so it will be a big game. It'll be I think there'll be a big game atmosphere tomorrow, which will probably help Newcastle as well. Um, it's a game that both teams 
want to win, but I, my concern is it's a game that both teams desperately don't want to lose. So mm-hmm. whether that will have an impact on the on the show that we get tomorrow, I'm not really sure. I think uh, Newcastle now after Saturday, we we just spent the first half of this show talking up how good Saturday was and. It might not seem like a lot, a 2-1 win against West Ham, but we went back to all of Newcastle's home wins since December 2013. There's only been 11 over that, <laughs> basically two seasons. And it was the first time we've ever won a game against a good West Ham team who were unbeaten in nine, hadn't been beaten since Spurs did them on the 14th of November and who'd won the last four or something. Um, and really, we should have won 5 or 6-1. We absolutely smashed sure. them. And it was just so, it was such a shock. So everybody, I don't think McLaren can 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 try and negate that and play defensively tomorrow. I just I just think it's we're going to go for the win. He's very much talking up the win, even though we'll we'll have a few injury problems. But we always have a few injury problems. Um, no left back tomorrow, so who knows who's going to play where? I mean, the the key thing is you, you said momentum there. Obviously, you talked about you potentially picking up bad momentum. I think we're hoping this is the start of some good momentum for us. Obviously, and. And you don't want to jeopardise that. I mean, obviously, it can play such a key thing. I mean, you you talk about the, the confidence of players. I mean, confidence can turn a, a terrible player into a, a half-decent one if, if they're willing to start sort of putting a bit more effort in and, and sort of taking a few more risks. And I think what we saw in that Newcastle team for the first time in a long time was that, that risk-taking and that, that, um, that the confidence to, to try things. It's not going to come off every time, but it, it's, the, it's the fact that there's the... the I've just I've just thought I've just gone through the previous Watford game and twice when we've played Watford see, uh, Watford this season Watford have scored from back passes <laughs> from Newcastle players Haidara <laughs> in the home game when Agallo rounded Krull and uh, when Yaldum's terrible back pass though he's made up for it more than made up for it um, <laughs> again, in, in the cup game but your next two games Mike are Chelsea at home and I know it's I know it's Chelsea and I know it's this season's Chelsea but they're unbeaten under Hiddink uh, and Spurs away. So this probably represents quite a good chance for you, realistically considering Newcastle's position in the league, uh, to to allay relegation fears. Because if you beat Newcastle, what are you twenty nine points now? Yeah, uh, twenty nine points. So you're eight points ahead. It would put you eleven points ahead of Sunderland. Can't overtake us. Whatever happens this weekend, so uh, it would put you eleven points ahead of the bottom three. Um, with you know what, fifteen games to go. Highly unlikely yeah. that's that's going to. So I, I think it's a big game for for those reasons. And um, I'll, I'll come on to kind of where do you think from everything you've seen so far? Uh, where do you think Newcastle will finish, and where do you think Watford will finish this season? I mean, I'd, I'd for Watford anywhere outside the relegation zone, I'll take. Um, it's it's a building process. We need to make sure we're in the division next year. Um, when when the big money comes through, so we can consolidate and and make sure that we we, we stay in, stay in the division for as long as possible. So anywhere outside the relegation zone will do for me. I, I genuinely don't care um, if we can finish sort of towards the towards the top half, sort of like thirteenth, something like that, twelfth. I think that would represent an absolutely magnificent effort when you look at um, look at who's in this division, all the established sides that are knocking around and the and and, and the, the talent that's there. So. 13th would be like amazing, something like that, 12th or 13th. But but with hand on heart, if we can finish uh, outside the relegation zone, then then there'll be people sort of naked in the pond in Watford, Watford High Street. I would I would have said. <laughs> um, in terms of Newcastle, it's difficult. I mean, when you, when you're looking at relegation battles, I always think we're going to find three worst teams. Um, and I think Villa, you've got to say really that, that they've they've gone. Let's take them out of the equation. Um, I think Sunderland. You'll be delighted to Get hear it. They, they just they just feel so rickety. They feel so sort of 
he almost feels like Anadice, Anadice's heart isn't really in it. Um, I know he, can be, he comes out with some slightly strange things, and he, his, his, his attempts at mind games can can seem slightly odd sometimes. But I just don't know if, if that if that is a is a match that's going to last the season, and whether it's going to get them out of trouble. So I think Sunderland are going to go. Um, from what I've seen of Norwich, not great at Watford. Um, I think Watford beat them quite comfortably. Um, so I think they're going to be going to be in, in the mix down there, and I think Bournemouth will as well. They've had a decent run, but. I don't think they're going to sustain it. Swansea, Watford made them look excellent on Monday night. But I think they're they're going to struggle as well. So, I think Newcastle can comfortably finish above above um, Swansea, uh, Swansea, Villa, uh, and one of Norwich and Bournemouth. I think you'll get out of it. Um, and I think that the next the next sort of two or three weeks will, will probably define Newcastle's season. Um, I was at the cup game with, um, with Newcastle a couple of weeks ago and. That was one of the angriest um, away followings I've seen for a long time. They were they, they were disappointed to, to say the least. I don't know if any of you guys were, were down at Watford for that one, but that felt like things were almost about to go off the precipice for the for the club and certainly for McLaren. And uh, it felt like the fans had really turned. But you know, again, you've had a great result against West Ham, and you, you guys have obviously enjoyed that. And I guess people are back on board to a degree. But but lose against Watford tomorrow. Um, and then the tide, the tide could turn again very easily, couldn't it? Um, personally, I think Newcastle are going are gonna to survive. Uh, my dad's actually a Geordie. He was born in Jarrow, mm-hmm. so uh, he's um, he, he's struggling at the moment. He doesn't want, doesn't want Watford to, to lose, but he doesn't <laughs> want Newcastle to, to fall further behind either. So uh, he's a bit conflicted. He sat downstairs biting his nails at the moment. But yeah, I think Newcastle will get out of it. Where they're going to finish, I don't know. I think probably, to be perfectly frank, with similar aspirations to, to Watford this season, they need to avoid relegation. And the further they can finish up the table, the the better. Um, I suspect 13th or, or 14th would, would do for you guys at the moment. 100%. And uh, it's good to see we've got a bit of <laughs> a bit of support from, from your neck of the woods. Uh, yeah, we, we have a, a big three games coming up. We're out the FA Cup. Obviously, uh, so we're off next week, and then we have Everton and West Brom. Everton away, uh, which we'll be we'll be going to Ben um, Wednesday night, and then West Brom at home. So that's three teams in the bottom half of the table: Watford, West Brom, and Everton. And I know Everton away is not an easy fixture, but they have the same amount of points as you, and no one's talking about them for relegation. <laughs> um, funnily enough, uh, despite the job Martinez is doing there. So yeah, well, time will tell. But uh, Mike, we're, we're very appreciative of your time for coming on. Uh, thank you very much, and. Thank you. All the best for the rest of the season, apart from tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you guys. Enjoy it, and uh, yeah, maybe speak again soon. Definitely. Cheers, Mike. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, fellas. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again to Mike. There, really, really interesting stuff. I thought he spoke very, very well. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's good to hear from someone like that, where he's you know in this Premier League age. I mean, Everton fans are the one at the moment who are starting to get a bit jittery, and obviously the team that Roberto Martinez has at his disposal is far superior to the one. Uh, Sanchez Flores does, but what I mean, apart from the obvious, Ben, which is the two strikers, what do you think about? Do you, or do you agree with everything that Mike says about Watford? Is that they're just they just turned up? They're just a team that doesn't lose many games because their fir- excuse me, their first priority is not to get beat. Is that your sausage and mash? Yeah, it is. <laughs> now I think it's. I mean, it's it's the way I think teams. A lot of teams could learn from from that. Um, I mean, obviously Norwich and Bournemouth have come up in. And you've seen te- teams coming up in the past that have, have tried to go a bit gung ho, and it, it just doesn't work. I mean, Blackpool yeah. are the one that come to mind famously. Um, we're, we're sort of scoring two every game and chipping four or five, so it, it, that just shows it just doesn't work. You, you can't sustain that 
because they're all games you're not going to you come in and score. And to what I was saying before, you've, you've got to be tough to beat because the games when everything's not going to click, you, you can't be giving away goals. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those. I think they, they are a, a well-drilled team as well. Um, I mean, he, he was saying there, obviously, about the recruitment in the, the, the summer that they brought a lot of players in, but he, he was saying that the spine of the team, that six or seven, are still there. And, and I think a lot of those are the sort of more defensively-minded players, the centre-mids. Um, I think were there last season and it's that sort of unity and, and they just work hard for each other I think that's one of the, the things that the championship sides always have going for them is that they, they really give it their everything and I, I think it's something that Newcastle have been um, sort of faced with a few times is that the lack of sort of running and, and lack of, um, sort of just the, the work work rate really um, has, has sort of resulted in some poor performances in the past and I think that's something you're always going to get from the teams that come up there. They're just desperate to stay in the league. I mean, you you got that from Mike. He, he'll be happy just to stay um, out, out of the bottom three. And I think that's that all sort of that do or die attitude of the, the, the fighting for their lives, that, that's going to go a long way to sort of making teams um, difficult to go there. So, I mean, from our perspective, I think it's it's a real opportunity for, for us to go and take the, the good feeling that we've had from West Ham. That'll have given a lot of players a lot of um, positivity. I mean, you just have to look at the players we've got. I mean, no disrespect to Watford, but the, the likes of Wijnaldum and and obviously Shelby coming in, Yamat, the, the players that could really um, sort of put their their guys to the sword. I mean, obviously we saw Igalo and Dini absolutely taught us a lesson uh, earlier on in the season. But I feel like Colacini and and Mbemba have got a much better understanding now. Um, the team's a lot more settled, and and hopefully um, we'll be able to handle those two and and get something going forward. Um, I mean, I think the key the key is going to be Wijnaldum away from home in a few of the games when we went to the Swansea game there's a few of the games that he's, he's just gone missing in um, this is an opportunity for him to really stand up and be counted and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and he's in that 10 role to create opportunities for, for the players around him and himself so I'm hoping uh, we'll, we'll just have a bit too much firepower for them Yeah I totally agree uh, the big story of today which a few people have asked us Lord Spiceman amongst others to cover is Steve Harper's move to Sunderland Can't believe it one massively troubling aspect of this is, I thought he was out at the club, so how how can he move on loan to Sunderland if you don't have a club? His Wikipedia page says he was only at Hull till last, like the end of last season. Yeah. I'm looking at three articles now who all state Sunderland signed Steve Harper on loan. Don't lay, name the club he's at. I presume it's actually just a short-term deal. Um, he's deleted Twitter. Probably because he's got some dirty <laughs> tweets, not dirty, naughty tweets on there. <laughs> <laughs> naughty tweets on there about about the Magnums. Uh, your thoughts on this, Benny? Are, are, you, are you comfortable with it? I'm, I'm really surprised that he would go. Um, I mean, obviously, his affiliation at Newcastle's, was it 20 years he was at the club? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit of a surprise, but I guess times are hard. He's obviously um, not been playing wherever he's been playing. If it's Hull or <laughs> out, of a, out of a job, then he I definitely wouldn't have been playing. Um, uh, he's, I mean, obviously, it's a no. I mean, take take something out of the equation. When you're offered a, a chance to go and sign for a Premier League club, you, you're not going to. He's not going to play. Down. You're not going to. He's not, not going to play. But it, it's, it would take a miracle. Aye. for Pickford and Renoni. But, but he's, to he's get getting injured. Yeah. But he's, he's going to be taking a salary, isn't he? So oh, you would um, do it in his position. I've, yeah. I see a lot of people kind of thinking, I can't believe it, but I, I mean, I'm still very. It's surprised like Steve, you're not it. you're not doing out. How was how was ten grand a week? Sounds yeah. Sounds <laughs> sounds champion. Um, he's still actively involved in Newcastle. Um, I saw him, he was at a, a Bobby Robson Foundation golf day uh, last year, which Phoenix Taxis provided the transport for free of charge. And 
by all accounts, everyone who met him when I saw him, he's a, he's a really nice bloke. He still talks passionately about Newcastle. Um, I'm sure he's a Newcastle fan. He, live, he lives locally, so it just makes sense. It just makes absolute financial sense for him to do it. A lot of people are calling him Agent Harper. <laughs> um, you know, like pouring stuff in the ketchup. <laughs> um, that would be hilarious. But it's like, you know... It, it doesn't really matter that it's Sunderland. If, if Sunderland actually signed a, a first-team player who who played loads of games for us, like we did with Jack Colback from them, then I'd be worried. Um, no, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's the fact that he's, he's third-choice keeper. Um, in fact, he's, I mean, he's probably even behind. <laughs> uh, Sky Sports are saying for cover, uh, signed him as cover for Costa and Costello Pantillamon, who's moved to Watford. That's not cover. <laughs> that's that's replacing him. Yeah. <laughs> Are they expecting him back? Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> I think the other thing we should talk about are transfers. I'm just going to try and get through some tweets here. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying we've had Rob out, only Rob Smith and, and David Stratton at NUFC Shifty on, saying we need left-back and a striker at minimum. Um, other people saying a winger... The news this week, uh, Luke Edwards, who we did a podcast with back in September, excellent journalist, nice man, um, he he seems to have the inside track, even though he's banned, <laughs> uh, saying that the club aren't going to reach agreements for Berahino or Townsend. Why, I'll try not to swear here, why Newcastle allegedly think he's worth £12 million, but not £14 million is... Is, is absolutely cra- crazy when we're hired twelve million on Tovan and Cabela. Yeah, it just seems like just pay it. There's there's, there's one hundred and forty million extra pounds coming in next year. Spend two million to get a player who might keep up. And I know there's a lot of Newcastle fans don't like Townsend. I do. Same with the left back. We're going. We're, we're probably going to have to play either Mbemba at left back or Yamat left back and Mbemba right back in the cells in the middle. Unless he plays another mental three at the back or something, but <laughs> I, I don't advise on that um, tomorrow. So we need a left back and we need a striker. Same thing. They're saying West Brom are holding up for twenty three to twenty five and Barahino. Thirty. Thirty. Well I heard twenty three to twenty five and here I read it. Twenty three to twenty five uh, on Barahino and we're not budging over eighteen, it's just like is it what's five it's, million? It's just Newcastle and Lee Charlie all over again. It's the same after doing the Shelby deal nice and early, it's just the same thing over and over again. And if if Lee Charlie cannot sign a proven senior and I would include Barahino, he's got international caps in that bracket, played in the Premier League, scored goals in the Premier League, 14 goals last season in the Premier League. If he can't bring one in, he should resign immediately. And we've said it, we've said it many times <laughs> about Lee Charnley, but it, the club absolutely need a goal scorer to, to secure our place in the Premier League. I agree with Mike, who was on before. I think Newcastle will stop up now after Saturday, but it's it's gambling big time again with what's 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 seven to ten million pound extra on transfers in this market. Definitely, I completely agree. I mean, especially when you look at how little business we've done for so long, I mean, we keep going on, going on about it, all that money in the bank. Um, and obviously, Ashley came out at last season talking about putting the bolt on the, the cart onto the back of the horse and all that rubbish. Um, <laughs> buying uh, John Joe Shelby um, isn't, doesn't equate to that. We need much, much more um, investment in the squad. And uh, obviously, they've brought in Mignaldum and the, the lads in the summer. Um, who didn't really have the expected impact, I think, that they were hoping for at the start of the season. And obviously we found ourselves desperate again, um, needing more investment at this stage. But you've, you've just got to do it. You can't, we can't afford to get relegated this season. So as you say, 10, 10 million extra on a player. It might be selling over the odds. But a couple of players if, combined, but, yeah. But, but if, 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 say, it is 10 million extra on Berahino, then you want it to pay 
so what? What's ten million in this day and age? We've we've hit and missed on players. Yeah, spent more than that, as you say. Tovan and Cabela being two of them. Um, there's there's players sat in that squad that have been on big wages for a number of years. Gufran and Obertan and the likes that don't get games. What what's the point of keeping players like that? It, it it's just hemorrhaging money. Um, so t- take a risk on a player that's actually gonna contribute for you. Um, Bohemia, I think, as you say, would be a, a, a good sign. Obviously, there's a bit few stories about him sort of being a, a troublesome player, but I, I think coming into a new club with with the backing he get uh, from the fans, I think he'd he'd, he'd do really well here. Um, and the, play, the players around, it's it's the type of team that he'd, he'd get plenty of chances for, and, and once he starts scoring, that everyone would love him. Yeah, like the, the signing of Berahino for would just give the fan base in the city such a lift. That we're almost we're back. We're gonna we're gonna sign good players like Berahino and Shelby are good players and strikers are such a premium, especially British. I know he's mm-hmm. he's um, he actually came across as a refugee from uh, his his homeland, um, but it's uh, it's it's almost like this is an opportunity for for the club and for Leach on to say right we we did what we had to do. We had to pay a bit more, but you know what? After years of austerity under Mike Ashley. We can afford to do it. The yeah. club's in such a financial position. We're going to afford to say, right, you want five in extra? We'll take them. We'll he'll score against you, and we'll take you. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, we're a bigger club than you, West Brom. Definitely. And it's just another, it's just another disappointing factor. I mean, there's still time. Was it the twenty second today? Mm-hmm. There's still a week to go. Um, you know, we'll we'll it's see. It, just from from the track record, though, it just it stinks that it's not going to get done again, hmm. and it's it's just going to leave more more questions and answers that. What what are they they playing here? They're, they're gambling um, with the future of the club by by not investing and thinking that they've got enough in the team. I mean, we've we've got one fit striker really. They keep playing Perez out wide. Um, if Mitrovic goes down, what what the end of the turn to? So it's it's mental that they won't just just put the money up and, and just go and get him. Um, <laughs> Bring him home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob Atterney, Rob Smith uh, do not want Barahino at the club. One season doesn't make him proven. No, it doesn't. Um, but uh, he, you know, I mean, obviously, we've all seen him play. He has a hell of a lot. He's got everything. He's got potential. He's strong. He's fast. He has skill on the ball. He can finish. He's not the finished article, but compared to having basically Mitrovic and Riviere with four Premier League goals between them in about fifty-five games played, mm-hmm. it's it's a gamble worth taking for Newcastle United. We're, we've been put in the position where we shouldn't have to be gambling on the likes of a troublesome young lad who has shown flashes of potential but mm-hmm. this is where we are as a club I mean who else are we going to get Rob um, I mean there's obviously the, the, the keep go- linking, him, linking us with there that Lacazette from uh, France right. but he's he's already said he's not interested absolutely um, never in a million it's, it's, years will exactly. he sign for Newcastle and you just you look at the other sort of options that might be available and I don't know just at least we've got someone that is proven in the Premier League to have, have scored goals and and that's in a, a very defensive poor West Brom team where the, it's not like he's he's getting ten chances a game. I mean, yeah. he's not he's not even getting games at the minute. But when when he was playing, he's scoring goals out of nothing a lot of times. And I think he just and he, he doesn't need a, a bundle of chances, which is the the issue I have with Mitrovic. I, I love him. I think he's a great player, but he needs a good <laughs> a good number of chances to to put one away. Uh, I just feel like we just need a, a proven finisher. Um, so okay, yeah. I mean, he's he's got question marks against him, but. I think it's probably a, a gamble worth taking with, with how young he is um, as well. He, he just brings something extra to the team as well. He's got a bit of pace about him. I think he'd, be, he'd fit in well. Yeah. Uh, George Cook Jr., uh, haven't you heard, Riviere's like it, you know, quotation marks, like a new sign-in. 
Yeah, I have. I quite like Riviera. I think he's he's not as bad as he's tr- pretended to be so far. He's, he's not good enough. Though, no, he's well. He, it's unlikely. He's not good enough. It's unlikely. Don't try and say. I just don't. I just don't like writing players off. But I don't unless they're called Paul. Uh, no, like, I just don't think. Um, I don't think that he's he's going to be the answer. Yeah, I think he's a better player than than he's shown so far, and he was unlucky last season playing in a terrible team. With injuries and that, but obviously yeah, he's not the answer. We need we need better. Uh, I'm trying to look at a tweet from earlier, where yeah, someone sorry, I forgot I forgot who tweeted it. Oh yeah, George Cook Jr. again saying I'm still getting pelters in the Crow v Elliot debate. I'll admit he's been good, but surely just it's a good friend of Crow. I totally agree. We've said it before. Uh, you know the, the amount of people saying will Crow get back in this team comfortably because he can actually leave his line. He's not like <laughs> chained to the. To the goal line, <laughs> and when he when he leaves his line, he's not carrying like a, a two ton rock behind him <laughs> like Elliot was against uh, against West Ham at the weekend. It does beg the question: Is is Rob got a like a tag on his ankle or something? It's, he looks very <laughs> very nervous to leave his six yard. He does, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously that it brings us back to the game tomorrow, Ben. Um, there's a lot of stuff on Twitter. Steve Steve Harper signing for quote the scum, you know. Like Lance, he's he's not going to play for them. He's he's not going to start a game of football for them. It's not going to happen unless unless something really bad happens. And if he does start a game for them, good. He was rubbish. <laughs> he was rubbish when Newcastle. He looks so. Rob Elliott is a better keeper now than Steve Harper was for maybe all bar the championship season. <laughs> you know, he came back in the Premier League and was very overta- quickly overtaken by Kroll. He was all right as Shea Givens understudy, but. I don't rate him as a keeper. <laughs> it would be quite brilliant if he did did somehow find his, himself in the first team and just shipped a load of goals. <laughs> just I remember going to the Derby, me and uh, Greenstreet Cowley went to Derby in 10-11. It's two, early 2000, and that was Steve Bruce's way he prepared the music and that because we were going to smash her and we, we, we battered them. It was a really, really simple, you know, should have been a simple win. Kevin Nolan scored a back heel and then Harper, like, Gifted the ball, Asmug Jan for yeah. a terrible shot outside from Bardley outside the area. That's the kind of keeper. George Cook Jr. has said Giuseppe Rossi's gone to Levante. Don't care. <laughs> Sorry, to be harsh. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what to say to that one. Ben, thoughts on good, good luck, Giuseppe. <laughs> good luck, Giuseppe. Uh, terrible Newcastle player. Um, Rob, only, I don't really. Rob Smith says regarding Harper. Hopefully they go down and he's seen walking around in a league Cork style. SMB top, hope so. Uh, hope so. Yeah. So Ben, tomorrow, uh, can I get a prediction from you? And I get your prediction first. I'll ask me next question after uh, that. I think we'll win three one. Wow. I think we'll win three one. I won three one. Very in very. Me, uh, oh, did you? In my true faith match preview. I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Frank, get it online now. Um, Be the first thing I do when I get back. <laughs> um, and I was going to say, if we don't win. Does the performance matter to you, or was it all about points now? Well, we talked about it the other week. I think it's all about points now, isn't it? It's getting it's too far through the season to be bothered about performances now. It's yeah. just about points because we're, we're <laughs> even though we spent the first thirty minutes of the show <laughs> talking up the performance rather but, than but the win. That, that's, I think that performances it will draw dividends of, of goals. It's, oh yeah, if you play well, your chances of winning exactly, are winning exactly, improved. Exactly, and that that's. I mean, it's not just about the way we play. I mean, just the confidence is back in the team. You can tell in. And we've got players now that are willing, that are getting on the ball, that are willing to sort of t- take risks. I was saying before, so I'm just repeating myself now. But um, hmm. 
I, I think we'll. I'm hoping we'll catch them off as as uh, Mick, uh, was it Mick? Sorry, Mike. Uh, as Mike, Mike pointed yeah. out earlier, um, he. I, I think they've been poor the last few games. I mean, mon- uh, Monday night against Swansea was a shocker. Um, and following the, the, the Southampton game as well, they were disappointing. I mean, getting beat three 0 off a Southampton team who've been really hit and miss, really struggling um, of late. So there's, there's two games there against teams that I wouldn't say have been playing particularly well and went into that game not on good form. And they've they've gone and ground some good results out there. Um, I mean, Southampton three nil was a bit of a battering, but um, just I, I just feel like if if they sort of if they don't turn up and then they're not at a hundred percent, which I think they'll need to beat the beat where, um, then we could run right with them. And I think mm. it'll be, um, I, ju- I just feel like we've got too we've got too good a team to to go there and not not turn them over. We've we've got players that know know the roles. I mean, Mitrovic, while he isn't scoring goals, he's due he's, one, isn't he? He's he's due, exactly he's due one. He's he's had that many chances. I mean, he could have had three or four against West Ham, um. And he, he's putting himself about there, which is a good thing. He's work, he's back working hard. Where I think at the start of the season he was doing that really well, and then he he dropped off a bit. His, his work levels, but he was back sort of running the line. I mean, he's, he was going to win in balls that he had no right to win. It's it's just all pointing to the, the team. They look desperate for the wins, which is I think is key. Um, and I, I just think they're, they're going to sort of turn up tomorrow, hopefully. What I don't want, and this is obvious because we never want this, but let's not gift any goals away. Mm-hmm. Like if we had just kept tight against West Ham for sixty minutes, to the start, hoyer men forward, we could have won three or four nil, which would have been good for goal difference because that comes into it at the moment. I mean, Sunderland are four points off Swansea with a far inferior goal difference to Swansea, Norwich, and Bournemouth, so they're, they're effectively five points off. And if we could just like if Bournemouth and Sunderland could draw. And we could do Watford, it would just be so good. And obviously Villa get beat, but that's not because I think they're going to stop up because it's just always nice when they get beat. But you know, I think I think the Sunderland Bournemouth game is a is a massive one for Sunderland. It's it's almost like obviously they beat Villa, they beat Watford, sorry Vile, so they beat Vile, they beat Watford, and they they picked up a crucial six points. Not Watford, Swansea they picked up a, a crucial six points there. Bournemouth will go into that game, think they can win. We need Bournemouth to have a little slip up. We can't have Bournemouth keep winning games. But for the purposes of tomorrow, as long as we do our bit, we'll allow them. Yeah, as long as we do our bit, uh, everything should be fine. So, yeah, I'm going three one Newcastle as well. I think when Yarlam can't stop scoring, I think we're owe Watford after a couple of really close games against the season. They played very well at St James's, but the second half was all Newcastle and were unfortunate. Well, we lost. What is it? You can't go two 0 down in 25 minutes to a team like Watford and expect to win. Uh, at home, but I think it's been two close games, and I think we're we're due a bit of luck tomorrow, and we're going to win. It'll make for a, a good podcast on Monday. I don't think well we have because I was going to say I don't think we've ever had back to back wins. We have because we we'll beat Spurs and Liverpool, Bournemouth, and no, just Bournemouth was by itself, was it? And obviously we we'll had that little run in the party. But whilst doing the podcast radio shows, the the been few and far between. Yeah, few and far between. Five minutes left of the show, Ben. Um, we may as well talk about something close to our heart, <laughs> and that's nightmare people who sit near you at the match. <laughs> Would you like to describe for the listening public the bloke who sits behind us at, at uh, St James's in the corner? He's the worst man in the world. <laughs> Why is he um, the worst man in the world? It just ru- ruins my match day experience just with these ridiculous... Oh, I mean, it's the team's job to do that. He could at least, uh, at least exactly, let them do exactly. it. Exactly. Um, just shouting abuse... Uh, non-stop do you want to describe uh, how he shouts it do you want to do an impression the, the, I couldn't couldn't possibly <laughs> do an impression online 
Um, but it's just high high pitched squeal, I would say, <laughs> for a, for a bloke who, well, I don't wouldn't say he's got a particularly low voice, but what how he makes this noise, I do not know. Doesn't represent his normal voice, nah, does it? it the, it's I've, I've, the squeal. I've turned around a few times thinking it's his wife. Um, <laughs> who sits next to him? Is, <laughs> um, but it's just just the rubbish he comes out with. He doesn't shout anything like any. Fair enough if he if he was accurate with his <laughs> his um, abuse his abuse, but it's it's just. Just picking on players who've got nothing to do with play. I mean, obviously, his, his favourite target is um, Sissoko, as he shouts uh, non-stop. Just there's, there's, there's times at t- times of season where a player lost a ball and he's like, was that him again? It's like, no, no, <laughs> no it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and it's just like, it wasn't even a black player, mate. <laughs> yeah, and he's, just, he's just desperate to jump on players' backs, um, which I just I hate. I, I, don't, I don't like... Um, I, I kind of stand people sort of boot, but I'm not a fan of booing your own players and... And sort of getting on players' backs. I mean, obviously they need to kick up the backside now and again, but there's there's ways and sort of ways of doing it. Um, and he's he just he's just constantly sort of negative. He, even when the score, you you feel like he's he's bitter. Yeah. I mean, if Sissoko ever scores this season, <laughs> he'll be so. But I, I think he'll storm out the you stadium. Leave. Hopefully, he'll storm out the stadium. The rest of you listening to this, if you if you've got season tickets or you ever get to the match at all. Um, Davy Stratton's just saying won't call back play left back. He's, he's apparently injured, Davy. Uh, so the callbacks injured, Dummett's injured, Nabu's injured. So all <laughs> left back options are are out of there. But every, everyone's got someone. I mean, wherever I've, I've probably <laughs> going to be Gufran, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be Gufran. It's going to oh, come man. roaring back in. Win, win the game from left back. Um, but yeah, everyone. I think I've had what I've had season tickets two places in the back of the Gallagher since I was about fifteen. Level seven in the corner, the other part of the corner. And we're part of the corner where we are now. And every single time there's been a nightmare, like a proper, I was going to say something there, <laughs> um, nightmare person who ruins your match day experience. So I think it's just part of, surely it happens to other clubs as well. Oh, yeah. We've got some uh, Davy Stratton, Aaron's <laughs> maybe left back. First of all, he wouldn't last more than five minutes before getting injured. <laughs> um, and I think it's a big ask to ask a 19 year old lad. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rolando. Left back, how's your aerial skills against Didi <laughs> and uh, Agolo? Yeah. Oh, Hydara's injured as well. So it's, it really is, it's four uh, options at left back injured. And uh, they still still won't buy one. Yeah, still won't. It, makes, it does, saying out loud makes you think maybe we don't need one, but we do. We do. <laughs> we don't even have cover right back. I think they're going to have to put Jan Mart right back, probably bring in Lascelles and move Mbembe, which is a massive, massive movement. Like You, you try to avoid uh, moving as many pieces as you can, but I think the only one I can see you'd really... Realistically, is Lascelles can't play as a wing back, no. um, and you're then either going to put Mbemba at left back or Jan Matt. I think maybe they might put Mbemba and, and put Lascelles in and call it Yeah, it'd be a shame to ruin that. It's, it's, so good. Yeah, it's going to break up. It, it? Yeah, it's going to break it up. Um, and Paris doesn't exactly provide much cover. Nah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I was going to say Mbemba might be a better option in that response. So watch, that. I, th- I think he's good enough to, to watch to the third Watford goal tomorrow. Come down that side. <laughs> Oh. Uh, Davy Stratton says the last time St James is he had a season ticket. He says he wish he has a season ticket now. You're one of the few. Uh, <laughs> practically you can't give them away. Uh, I mean, what fifty thousand there against West Ham? Three thousand away fans for so two thousand people in Newcastle. Three o'clock on a Saturday. Just didn't fancy it. Tough times or sad times. Last time you had a season ticket was one nil win of a Sport and Shearer header. I believe that was oh five oh oh four oh five. I'm pretty sure, yeah, 2004-5. You enjoying this trip down memory lane? Yeah, always do, always do. That's why I write the quiz. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm going to try and, like I said on Twitter this week, I'm going to try and record them 
at the match and play him on the podcast, where the the podcast on the radio show where we can display his foul language. But one of the moments that cracked me up on um, <laughs> on Saturday was about the in the first half, Sissoko like didn't go up for a header or something, and he stood up. The bloke stood up and went, "Sub him." Get him down that tunnel. It's like, hey, who would you bring on at right wing? <laughs> There's no one on the bench <laughs> with the right foot. <laughs> it's like Gufran, Aaron's. <laughs> I was going to say Gufran got it in the neck when he came on. So obviously, understandably, yeah. more understandably, but yeah, I just thought, like, who, I just thought, like, stand up, get right. He didn't, he didn't go for a header. That's it, Musa. <laughs> I've warned you. <laughs> I've warned you. Unless you conform to my expert knowledge of how to play football, you're off. Get a, get him down that tunnel right now. Okay, mate. Well, we're done for this week. Thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for tweeting. Um, massively appreciate everyone who listens um, to both the podcast and the radio show. And we'll be back on Monday with the podcast. Should have it up about 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, if not before that. Just leaves me to say thanks so much to Ben for joining me. Well, thank you, Doug. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.